0: and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. While we appear to be doing quite well in Australia preventing the spread of COVID-19, other nations in the developing world are suffering. Nations like India, where there's a huge challenge with the global pandemic and 1.38 billion people and lacking a robust public health system. There is expectation that millions will be impacted by COVID-19 and there are sad stories that are coming to light. Let's get some insights into the challenge in India. Kate is the CEO of the Dignity Freedom Network, serving the poorest people in India, the Dalit people. Kate, welcome back to 2020. Thank
1: you, Neil. Nice to be back.
0: Kate, what are you hearing from the ground in India about how lockdowns have been working?
1: Well, in India, the lockdown has been extraordinary. It's been extreme and it's been very, very difficult for people. We're just starting to come out of lockdown here. Many of us have found it difficult. But to put it in perspective, what's happening in India is just to a whole different level.
0: From what I understand in India, it's so severe that there are many who are more concerned about starvation than they are about getting the virus from the pandemic.
1: Absolutely. Numbers in India are actually quite statistically low at this time. So they're saying that there's around 106,000 people who are infected with around 3,300 deaths. Uh, but that's mainly due to low testing, not necessarily due to lack of infection. And we know personally a number of people who have died. But as you say, more people are concerned about starvation than they are about actually contracting the illness themselves. Uh, there's many, many wage journey, daily wage earners. There's around 90 million of them. So when lockdown happened, they lost their job that day. And there was no job keeper or any other infrastructure to support them. The lockdown happened with just four hours' notice, so there was no time and no capacity to stock top stockpile food. And the lockdown still continues. It's easing slightly, but it's just incredible what these people are having to cope with.
0: Well, with no welfare safety net and, as we mentioned, not a robust health system, Challenges for India are very, very severe. Your people, your team on the ground in India, you're operating the Good Shepherd Medical Care and well positioned to respond with clinics and community health workers even in different places across the country. What sort of things are you hearing from your team at the Good Shepherd Medical Care?
1: Well, typically we would just be dealing with the local people in the local villages or in the slums where we work But one of the things that has been a huge thing in the news has been this issue of the migrants. So migrants are not people from other countries. They're actually people from other states. And they come to the cities to do work, construction work, or they travel around the remote areas doing seasonal work, picking crops and harvesting and that kind of thing. And with the lockdown, all of their jobs came to a complete end. They're hundreds of miles away from their home, They've got no money to pay rent, no money to buy food, and they just start on this long walk home. And so we've seen this on the news here in Australia. We've seen different articles on ABC and and BBC and such about some of these horror stories of these people with absolutely nothing, absolutely destitute and just walking hundreds of miles just to try and get home, just to try and save their families.
0: And as you say, with the poor testing rates, the number of confirmed cases and the deaths in India is likely to be much lower than the reality, and the reality could be substantially higher, could be millions of people who are affected at this time, and the ones that you're working with in India, mm-hmm. with the uh, with the Dignity Freedom Network, the Dalit people, they're often living on the streets or in crowded and dirty slums. Uh, Give us some insight here into the people you're attracted to working with.
1: Mm, Absolutely. And just to go back to one thing that you just mentioned is people returning home. So they're finding even the the workers who are from Bihar who have been working in Delhi, they're now returning home. And with testing, they're identifying that 26% of them, a quarter of them, coming home infected. So we have absolutely no idea how this is going to play out in the next little while. But coming back to people who live in the slum areas, many of them share you know, one tap between 20 families or they all share the village well. And so contamination just is so prevalent and it's very hard to stop the contagion happening. It spreads through the slums. If, if you're living in a slum, you've got one bedroom or two bedrooms for a whole family of 10 or more people. It's a horrible way to live through lockdown, let alone how the virus is going to continue to spread and the impact it's going to have on these families. Another issue, of course, is domestic violence, because if you're in these closed quarters and you've got no capacity to go out, then there's alcohol withdrawal and such. So we're seeing a huge uh, growth in the domestic violence issues that are happening in the in the homes as well.
0: Kate, your concern about India is that it could be even more greatly impacted by COVID-19 than any other country. And when we talk about the population numbers, uh, that's certainly not beyond our imagination, is it?
1: Absolutely. It it could just be an absolute humanitarian disaster. And so time will tell. They're saying at this stage that India won't peak for another, well, they're saying probably mid-June, perhaps even later. So the numbers, I mean, we're just so worried about what's going to happen there.
0: Lack of food, clean water and medical care, what a recipe for disaster for a people who are in India and those that we here in Australia ought to feel some compassion for. And I know this is what you're working with all the time, about how people might be able to respond in some way to care for the Dalit people in India. What's your thought here about how listeners to our conversation today might just uh, take on some of the challenge here and uh, at least understand the the dreadful circumstance that so many poor indian people find themselves in
1: mm. well i'll just tell you one quick story about one of the ladies that we were in contact with just last week so ruki is 31 years old and she and her husband have a 10 year old daughter since lockdown they've been part of this group that have been not able to work they were uh, their work was shut down weeks ago and so they're just living in this slum because they're migrants they're ineligible to get any kind of Russian cards or government food subsidy and they borrowed money from friends just to put food on their table but Ruki also has diabetes and she requires insulin just to survive her insulin ran out on April the 28th and she went to various hospitals to try and get seen but she was turned away from everywhere because everybody was focused on COVID-19 and treatments so she decided to try and manage without her insulin, but she was not coping at all and was on the point of a coma when somebody told her about our Good Shepherd Clinics. So she came to one of them. She was welcomed. They tested her bloods and her urine. She was given all the help and all the insulin that she needed. And then she was also told about our food distribution program for the migrants. And so she was so thankful and so grateful, not only for the health care that she received, but also for the food that she was able to take back for her family. So short-term, she's alive and her family's eating, and long-term, she knows where to come for help and knows that there are people that actually value her. So our team are doing a whole mix of healthcare, food distribution, reaching out to people, a lot of hygiene training, uh, focusing on a lot of the misinformation about COVID-19, and just connecting people with whatever help that they possibly can.
0: Well, we might all shudder to think about how even the protective clothing and face masks for your health workers are at this time and for those who are working in the well under equipped hospitals throughout India. Any insights there into how health workers are holding up under all of this?
1: It's been really hard for them, and particularly in Mumbai. Mumbai has been an absolute hub for COVID 19. Hospitals are running out of beds, there's not enough um, PPE, and what they do have is often of a really low quality. Um, There's just some horrific stories and videos going around about morgues that are, are just packed, and beds that are just overflowing, two and three patients in a bed at times. And the doctors and the healthcare workers are getting infected as well. And so it's just an absolute disaster. So that's not everywhere, but definitely Mumbai, we're hearing really, really horrific stories coming out. Um, but, but none of the country is really doing very well. A lot of the uh, states in the north are doing better than the other states, which is a wonderful thing. But definitely Mumbai, is, it's just awful to see the stories there.
0: Kate, I know listeners will hear that tremor of desperation in your voice as you talk about running the Good Shepherd Medical Centre there in India. Uh, Give us some indication where your centre is, or there are a number of centres. Give us an idea here before we talk about, uh, very quickly, the idea of equipping health workers and uh, necessary equipment for these clinics. Uh, Give us some insight into whereabouts your centre is.
1: Okay, so our hub is in Hyderabad, but we've actually got uh, four clinics, established clinics around the country. Additionally to that, we've got 100 schools, and in the schools, we have community health workers. So these are health workers that actually have a relationship with people in the village. They speak the local language, and they have the trust of the people in the village, so currently we're in around 1,300 villages with our community health workers and to increase their capacity, we've also introduced telemedicine. So from our four medical clinic hubs and that we have, we're actually able to connect the community health workers with doctors who can talk them through and guide them through some of the more um, intentional medical care that is needed in the villages. So... Uh, We have, as I said, uh, um, over 100 schools around the country and some of these have also been transformed into clinics and shelters and food distribution centres. It's actually school holidays anyway in India. It's the summer there. And so we've been able to transform the schools, which are also remote and rural schools, and, and they can become hubs within the actual village.
0: Well it's sobering and disturbing to hear the way you're sharing these things Kate and particularly when you tell the stories of those workers who work in the city but when there's a lockdown and their jobs are now no more, no safety net, they make their way home and so sometimes walking hundreds of kilometres to find their home and uh, as we've been hearing those reports some dying on the way you're running four clinics as well as your main good shepherd medical care you're into a 100 schools you're working with 1300 villages in india uh, what are the needs right now just quickly for listeners who might be thinking we need to pray for the dignity freedom network the good work they're doing and perhaps even support how would you like people to respond kate
1: Well, I actually find it very hard to ask for help. I find it very hard to ask for money. But when I see the stories, when I see our incredible health workers, it makes me just unashamedly say we need more. We need milk prayer. We need people to be praying for health over our health workers and medical teams. We need people to be supporting us financially. We want to expand into more villages. The needs are absolutely astronomical and we feel like we're just touching the tip of the iceberg, and we just want to do so much more. We want to be an expression of God's love to these people and supporting them through these dire times.
0: Well, Kate is the CEO of the Dignity Freedom Network. Kate is based in Australia, but what we're talking about is their health clinics, the schools and the villages of India where the Dignity Freedom Network is at work. This is the website for those who can connect, either for prayer or you may be able to spare a few dollars because money needed right now. dfn.org.au, the Dignity Freedom Network. dfn.org.au. Kate, thanks so much for your update today on 2020.
1: Thanks so much, Neil. Thanks for having the conversation and thanks for your interest in what we do.